0: Welcome to developer team. My name is Jonathan Cottrell. Today we have an awesome guest on the show. This is a friend of mine that actually I've known since before I was a programmer. And we actually go all the way back to our teenage years where we grew up in the same hometown. And uh, in fact, I actually had the chance to meet this individual outside of the context of anything related to professional development of any kind, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that on the show. Today's guest is Trevor Hinesley, the CTO of Soundstripe. We'll talk a little bit about what Trevor does and what Soundstripe is at the very beginning of today's episode, but we do have two episodes for this interview, I encourage you, if you don't want to miss out on the second part, to go ahead and subscribe while you're listening to this episode to Developer T and whatever podcasting app you are currently using. Thank you so much for listening. Let's jump into the interview with Trevor Hinesley. Trevor, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, So I guess we should go ahead and get this part out of the way. We know each other. We've known each other for many years. In fact, we knew each other before either of us was writing any kind of code. I'm pretty sure. Is that right?
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. Long time ago.
0: Yeah. So we grew up in the same town, had some similar hobbies and uh, just have a long history. And we were friends um, a long time before we, we started programming. And then we both picked up some very similar tools. It's kind of a weird... Um, parallel path that we took, uh, but we'll get into some of that in just a little bit. Uh, I'd love for you to kind of share your backstory, kind of explain, you know, first of all, what you do today uh, with Soundstripe as the CTO, and then also kind of how you got there. What, what are you doing uh, now that really reflects your kind of the path that you took to get there?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, as you said, I'm the CTO of a company called Soundstripe, and uh, we're essentially a subscription-based music licensing platform. Um, And the way I kind of came about that is a long and winding trail. But um, to start with... uh, Really, I I had been in music my whole life. Funny enough, you taught me guitar, so that was <laughs> pretty much how we
0: met. I think, pretty sure. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's true. Yeah, too funny. Um, so
1: yeah, I, I started as a guitar player at a young age. Um, actually, I was bass first, then moved to the guitar, and. Um, I just developed a passion for that and knew that like all I wanted to do was tour and make music. But my parents were like, you need to get a college degree. You need to do that first, (laughs) you know, that whole thing. So, um, I found out from a friend of mine whose uh, sister was a songwriting major at Belmont university in Nashville that Belmont existed. He told me about it. And so I was like, great, looked it up. They had uh, an audio engineering program and I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll just have my fallback to music be a different type of music thing. So <laughs> nice. I uh, yeah. uh, applied, got in, went to Belmont for audio engineering. And then my first or second semester there, my roommate, a good friend from high school, um, who was the only person I knew in Nashville when we moved up there. Um, he was like, I was trying to, I think, fill a math credit. And he was like, you can take this, you know, computer science one or whatever the class was. Um, <laughs> and, and it'll uh it'll take care of your math credit. And I was like, awesome, I love computers. So I took it and I had immediately fell in love with programming. I was like, this is awesome, and turns out it paid really well. So I was definitely interested. And in, um, yeah. you know, long story short, wound up adding it as a second major. Um, when I graduated, I actually the day of my college graduation rehearsal, I got a call that um that I had gotten into this band that um, I had just met the members not too long prior to that. Um, And I was really excited about it and it was going to be a full-time touring thing. And so straight out of college, um, I, I was gonna, so I double majored in audio engineering and computer science and straight out of college. When I got that call, I was going to go straight into touring, but um, I knew that in the meantime we had some development to do with our label. So I wanted to get a job in development and, uh, easier said than done when you're telling your employers, you're going to go on tour pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that was uh, a little rough, but I, um, eventually landed a job with a guy, uh, named Rob Humphreys He's an incredible person. We're still friends to this day. Um, he basically told me that like, I want to help you pursue both dreams. So, um, he gave me a job, took a chance on me. And then about a year, year and a half later, I, um, went to tour and he let me work remotely and keep my job. So, um, you know, moving into that space, I kind of got into this rhythm of going on tour, working while I was there, getting home, going into the office. And, uh, it was like a strange combo of remote and in an office work, but I fell in yeah. love with startups, you know, and I, I, I loved the life. Um, and I, I learned that through my best friend his name's Brian Hood he's a really talented audio engineer and uh and very impressive businessman he got me um interested in a uh, I think it was a podcast actually that turned me on to more of the business side of startups and I just became obsessed so Do you um, remember what
0: podcast it was
1: I I know the guy's name is Dane Maxwell and he runs a uh it's like a accelerator uh called the okay. foundation
0: yeah very cool
1: So my friend Brian turned me on to that podcast, and um, I just found a love for that. And so over time, I developed a passion for it. And then eventually, through clients I was doing freelance development for later, I met who are my
0: two business partners now, and we started Soundstripe. That's an incredible story for a few reasons. I've got some questions around it because I think um, there's some people who are going through similar life phases as you were in both in college and then right after college. And I want to ask you a few questions about it because um, first of all, I think that there is some kind of unspoken connection between music and software development. There seems to be a strong connection and I'm not really sure exactly what this is. I've talked about it on the show actually numerous times in the past because it seems like a lot of the developers that I meet are also interested in music. Mm. Uh, So I think that's kind of a cool connection. But I'm interested to know when you went into that class, that computer science kind of 101 class at Belmont, uh, not knowing that you would be interested in programming, what really kind of piqued your interest at that moment? What was, what was it about programming that was interesting to you?
1: That's a great question. Uh, honestly, first and foremost, I've been a nerd my whole life. <laughs> so uh, that was a big one. But no, really, I think it was, it was the fact that uh, there really was a creative element to that. Um,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: It's not just a, you know, one side of the brain situation, uh, like architecting software and figuring out um, the best way to do things. A lot of it just played to both sides of my brain. And I love that.
0: Yeah, I think, and, and this is actually the thing that I think connects music, for, at least for me, that connects music and software development, not necessarily explicitly, but it's more like a, uh, I I really enjoy the challenge of finding really elegant solutions, right? And and that's true both in uh in musicianship and in software development. I think there's some kind of overlap there.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: So, uh you mentioned this this moment of um, you know, trying to get a job but also being this touring musician. And I think a lot of people are facing a similar thing, not necessarily becoming touring musicians, but either wanting to go remote or maybe they're a little bit young or something about what they want their lifestyle to be has a stigma around it. Uh, What kind of things would people tell you or, you know, what were the concerns that those potential employers had about a, a touring musician hiring a touring musician to work on their team?
1: You know, that's a good question because I think it really was, I've, I thought about this, especially at the time, um, you know, I wasn't, I kind of felt like I was wrapping my worth up in, in a job I didn't have yet. So, yeah, I yeah. it was tough and I think really where it came from, I don't blame them at all because now being an employer, I totally understand. <laughs> um, but really I think where it came from was whether it be an office culture thing that they were trying to keep intact, um, Or if it was just the fact that I didn't I didn't have enough experience really to even be remote at that point. You know, so it it was it would have been a big risk on their end. I think there was a few different things that played into it. But overall, uh, yeah, to be honest, I understood where they were
0: coming from. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because now as an employer, you know, you have the opportunity to see what things are important to You know, to you as an employer, uh, I know I have a remote job uh, and I know that Soundstripe hires remote people. We actually have another interesting connection there. But um, uh, just for the record, my wife works at Soundstripe. I think that's important to note here. (laughs) (laughs) She does. um, uh, In any case, um, you know, what do you think that developers who are looking for jobs, because there's certainly people who are listening to this right now and that's exactly the place they're in. How can they, you know, help increase the uh, uh, the perceived kind of reliability and and help a an employer feel at ease if they are in one of those groups that are stigmatized, like for example, uh, remote workers?
1: That oh, that's a tough one. Honestly, truthfully, I I think the answer to that question really comes down to work ethic. Uh, because when I was hired on um, by the guy who wound up giving me a chance, we only had really one connection. Uh, Thank God to that connection. A friend of mine named Dennis Monzowick, he I had worked under him at my only internship in college, um, which was in in the computer science side, not the audio engineering. So he knew I was still looking for a job. He did an email intro. And a day later, I got coffee with Rob and he offered me a job on the spot. And I didn't even you know, i it was very much a situation where I didn't have like a huge portfolio to show him. I didn't, all I had was the fact that I had worked with people who uh, saw my work ethic and um, my ability to be a team player and had relayed that to Rob. So he had a lot of faith in me through others' opinions. I think, you know, thankfully I had uh, had some people to, to help um, where that was concerned, but I do think it boils down to, uh, to work ethic. And also if you have, um, if you have the ability uh, you know you have time on the side to make some projects that can kind of show what you can do that's gonna say a lot uh, not only about your work ethic but also uh, your skill obviously if they're hiring for a
0: specific position sure yeah I, I think another thing that you touched on there just kind of implicitly is the importance of you know relying on the people that that know your character right and and being able to have those connections you um, with people who have been able to see, you know, uh, what you've done over, over the course of your career. And, you know, it doesn't have to be as cheesy as uh, doing LinkedIn connections, but <laughs> if that's what you, if that's what gets you a job, then who cares if it's cheesy, right? It, that's not really the point of that. Uh, the whole point is if you can create those connections with people that can genuinely vouch for you, right? What that does, it creates a sense of, um, it creates a uh, uh, this. It's like the same concept as like a review, right? Um, there's some social proof mm-hmm. to your to your to what you say about yourself. Everybody, of course, uh, when they're looking for a job interview, uh, or I'm sorry, when they're interviewing for a job, nobody's going to say that they're not suited for the job. <laughs> or if if they do say that, then it's probably out of fear, right? Right. Um, but anybody who's, who's, you know, reasonably actually kind of, uh, uh, you know, in line to get a job is going to present themselves well, but the word of another person who doesn't really have a stake right in, in the outcome that is so valuable, especially if that person has some level of experience themselves.
1: That's correct. You know, to that same point, I think there's something really important there um, that I'd like to mention, and that really is the aspect of networking. And yeah, I'm not going to lie; for the longest time, especially coming from the music business, I hated that term because yeah, it's a
0: terrible term. It's right?
1: terrible. It literally is just glorified schmoozing, you know. And yeah, yeah. but the truth is, um, no matter how those started i mean i have people that are good friends today that i met through what would be considered networking my best friend i met through a facebook message because i liked his audio work and i basically (laughs) tried to weasel my way into coming to his studio to meet him because i love (laughs) this stuff and we talked for four hours and have been best friends for seven or eight years now Wow, Um, wow and another instance of that was a guy who um is now a composer for soundstripe um he, we hired him in a, a pop band I was in in college. We went on tour during the summer and our drummer had left. So we hired him to fill in. And then I, you know, so I only knew him for a couple of weeks when he toured with us, but we became friends, started going to the gym together. Um, and then a couple months later, he had gotten a call from a label um, about this band that was looking for some other members. Long story mm. short, that connection to that one tour I had done with that guy is what got me into the band that, gave me my professional career in music to start with. So, wow. You just never yeah. know. And I think I mean there's the two pieces to that are it definitely it makes a lot of sense in your own personal life and in your professional life uh to make meaningful relationships. Um but it, it it's also a very rewarding thing um you know outside of the business aspect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's I think it's such an interesting thing to to see how different people come from, from different backgrounds and end up becoming developers. This, obviously it's not only musicians, right? Certainly it's not only touring musicians. Uh, there are plenty of uh, kind of sources where people come from. And I think a lot of people have this wrong belief, um, and this is super important to address, especially for people who are approaching development as like a second career. Uh, this ha- they have this wrong-headed belief that your network has to only be developers or <laughs> or like uh startup companies right and that your your experience in some other field is irrelevant and that couldn't be further from the truth and i think you are actually kind of proving that point uh right on its nose right now i think that's excellent
1: well I, you know i think to to your point uh it's actually very limiting if you're a one track mind like that yeah. um yeah. you you know there's a million things to be learned and you don't know what you don't know so Let's say you're going to start a startup. You have to know the industry you're getting into. So that would be that would be another side. Whatever industry it is. So I, I totally agree with you. And I think that that um, that winds up being a detriment more often than not.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. With DigitalOcean, as a developer T listener, you can get started with a free one hundred dollar credit. Now this is essentially cash value because you can go and use this hundred dollar credit on DigitalOcean services. Head over to do.co/tea to get started. DigitalOcean provides scalable compute services, flexible configuration sized for any application, and industry-leading price-to-performance ratios. And they have monitoring and alerting included. Go and check it out. Head over to do.co slash t that's d o c o slash t e a to get started today and remember you're going to get a 100 hundred dollar credit for free thanks again to DigitalOcean for sponsoring today's episode of developer t i think that's particularly important if you are wanting to kind of build your own thing especially right yes and the interesting thing about your journey into programming was you know you didn't learn programming to start soundstripe you learned it to you know, have a viable career yep. and a backup option because uh, hopefully everybody who's listening to this has some sense that the music industry is somewhat volatile. <laughs> um, but strangely, that's kind of the thing that you ended up addressing is the volatility of the music industry. And I'd love to talk for a moment about that. And and I'm going to ask you a question that feels quite broad at first, but hopefully it it will end up honing in. And that question is, you know, what do you think is kind of your career purpose, not necessarily like your entire life's purpose, but the purpose of your work.
1: So truthfully, um, the thing I think that it really is my purpose when it comes to uh, business or career, whatever you want to call it, um, is is taking this idea of of a for-profit company and doing something meaningful with it. You know, I think a lot of times there are, um, not necessarily a stigma but put on for-profit businesses by any means, but more of a there's like a disconnect between the idea of a nonprofit and a for-profit. And nonprofit absolutely have have their place uh, in the market and they do incredible things. And at the same time, though, the truly the truly incredible for-profit businesses in my mind are the ones that, uh, you know, use their excess, to do good with it. And that doesn't necessarily mean donating it all to a charity or whatever. That means taking care of the people who, who you're employing or who you work with, or, Mm, um, being wise, a good steward of, of what you're given and what you've made and, and those kind of things. And I think, uh, for me in particular, that, that really does, um, kind of sum that up. But at the same time, I I think a, a good example of that, there is a, uh, an interview that was done recently with Jeff Bezos at the Economic Club in Washington. It's about an hour long, um, but it is absolutely incredible. Um, and he talks about um, some new things he's funding that are um, charitable. And what's it's interesting to me because so Bezos, in particular, has been under scrutiny for his wealth. And he has friends such as uh, Warren Buffett, who are also very wealthy. But I remember seeing an article um, recently, I can't remember the source, but... Uh, it basically was talking about how, you know, Warren Buffett donates $3 billion to charity while Bezos crosses $150 billion in net worth. Wow. And honestly, I was pretty perturbed when I saw that because that's a very shallow view of that. Um, and it doesn't take into account the person behind it, um, or the fact that you don't know the future or what he's going to do with his money and it's his money. Um, (laughs) you know, so, but what, what happened, uh, ironically not long after that was this interview with the economic club and he talks about where um he basically uh i think he got people to submit business ideas and he wound up donating two billion dollars to fund one or many of them i can't remember um Hmm. but you know his whole thing is he's a very customer focused person and what better way to treat people well than to take care of the ones who are paying you for a service.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're touching on something really important and kind of the kind of the genesis of um this question for the sake of uh for for the sake of Soundstripe, I guess. And and that is that you're working in an industry that has some notorious flaws, right? Mm. It, not necessarily to the same degree as something like, uh, you know, uh, the medical industry or something sure. like that, right? Uh, but certainly, um, you know, the, there's some there's some issues that need to be addressed in the music industry. And, you know, we aren't going to detail all of those on this podcast because <laughs> it's not, this, this isn't a music industry podcast. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to know, like, your experiences in the music industry, are they, do they often fuel you, um, I guess, fuel at least your kind of care and empathy for these creatives that are working and using your platform.
1: A hundred percent. I think back to, uh, this is a true story. So when I was on tour, um, I actually played at the Georgia Dome before it was demolished and there was 38,000 people there. I walked away with a $50 check in my pocket.
0: Wow. And it, so you got paid fifty dollars for a show that presumably had ticket sales that far eclipsed that number
1: that's exactly right, and it was no one's fault, especially not in my band or anyone related to us. The reality was that is where the music industry was, and if we wanted to play that show, that was basically what was gonna happen,
0: so yeah, so they were offering that uh essentially that amount to the band,
1: yeah, I mean, we just had. Uh, you know, it was one of those situations where we had this big opportunity and we had to take it. But at the same time, like we were basically breaking even.
0: Um, Right. Yeah. And that was
1: the reality of the music business. You either it's feast or famine. I mean, you're either, you're either outside of, there are definitely some outliers uh, that are independent that are doing it well. And I love the new way of things uh, that's happening, but there's definitely still a lack of middle class really in music. You're either, yeah. Um, you know, a top 40 artist banging out million dollar hits or you're eating ramen. So,
0: yeah, yeah. And once upon a time, I actually thought I was, you know, going to be a career musician as well. And um, at the time, you know, everybody was telling me uh, there were two messages that I heard. One was, there's no money in this because you're not going to be a rock star. And so I thought, okay, well, if I'm not going to be a rock star, what could I be mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and still make money as a musician? And the other alternative option was, well, you could be a session musician, right? <laughs> right. You can go and play in the studio and get paid for each time that you play in the studio. Um, and, and the caveat there is you have to be exceptionally good um, to to make a living do that, doing that. Uh, so that was kind of the the two routes really that anybody uh would reasonably suggest right. and um most people would would eventually end up doing you know something else um if they entered the mu- the music industry they'd travel to Nashville and then they end up getting a job as a uh as a waiter uh at a at, at a restaurant
1: right? right that's exactly right um funny enough Nashville i think has become a haven for people um who who do that route Uh, And a lot of times, though, they wound up kind of coming to this realization that there's got to be a better way, you know, and that's really what sparked the idea for Soundstripe for us, because my two business partners um, also had incredible careers touring, as well as even driving tour buses, because they were making more money driving tour buses (laughs) the CDL than they were playing. Yeah, wow. um, You know, the idea, though, they had uh, owned a studio and uh, had worked with Jingle Houses, And kind of had built this catalog of music that, you know, the traditional pitch industry that, you know, what the reason I call it pitch industry, it's essentially sync licensing where um, you'd have an agent or something and they would notify you and say, hey, you know, Target needs a track by tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And it could be midnight when you get this email. And, um, you know, they're like, they need this track. It's going to pay 50 grand. But the problem is you and 300 other people got that email. So Right. everyone yeah. stays up all night making what they think is our are hoping really is this next commercial song. And if it didn't get picked, you're just stuck with a song that really has no value outside of that commercial. So, <laughs> you know, they had a hard drive of songs yeah. and they were like, look, there's gotta be, our friends have to have the same problem because the songs were good. That wasn't the issue. It could be like, you know, well, this has one word that we don't think fits the theme of this commercial or something. So, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, they essentially had had this catalog of music and got their friends together and uh, they had a catalog of music and then you know we built this platform to host that and that was the birth of soundstripe and eventually we realized that like there was a way to provide musicians a way to make a real living in this so now we we have musicians musicians that we staff um and yeah they're they're making a living um they're my favorite part is they're enjoying what they're doing. You know, we're very intentional about making sure they're (laughs) not feeling burned out or whatever. And like I have seen meetings they've had where, I mean, borderline life-changing conversations have happened. And I'm not just saying this because it's my company. I say it because it's, it's very much, it's a real thing. I've seen um, genuine conversations where people are, so thankful for the people that are around them that they're working with. They're able to have this cool collaborative environment. They're able to pay their bills and get a mortgage. And that is just not, and they're able to have to not go seek work for half the year to fill the other half. And, you know, as right. freelance developers, I'm sure many people can relate to that life. Um, yeah. so yeah, that was, that was kind of where our, our passion has developed, um, just through our history in the music business and, 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 this opportunity that we saw.
0: I think that's so important. And it really, the the passion that you're sharing is exactly the thing. You know, the whole point of this podcast is to help driven developers connect to their career purpose. And that's a perfect example of that to me is something that you've found that you genuinely are so excited about that it sounds like you're trying to, you know, uh, tout your own company. But in fact, that's true excitement, right? It's uh, it's something that you're walking in every day, and that excitement fuels you. You're you're ready to do the next thing because it's really changing. You know, uh, not to overstate it, but it's it's changing the way that people see their opportunity, right? And therefore, it's changing changing their lives.
1: Well, and it really goes back to uh, the question you asked earlier. You know, what I felt like my purpose in this whole thing is, and, yeah. and that really, I mean, that's what. Makes my heart happy is seeing like that, that type of thing come to fruition um, in a for profit business. I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is a cool distinction. And I think, you know, the level of specificity that you have for this is what I want to encourage other people who are listening to the show to develop for themselves. Because I think a lot of people can develop a, a kind of their own purpose and it becomes so fluid that there's nothing actionable there right? And so it's like, mm. well, what do I do with that? Maybe eventually I can figure out a way that, that, that purpose is met. Uh, but it seems that, you know, whether you define that explicitly or not, right. it seems that you, you've had the chance to kind of develop those values for yourself. Um, and, and that's, I think that's so important to do.
1: Thanks. i i honestly it, it feels exactly what you said not necessarily explicit for a long time i think recently i've really come to the realization that um that that's the almost tangible description or the specific description of what it is that i feel like my purpose is but um even even before knowing how to describe it i i think there was
0: something um
1: innate in me that that really found a passion in that
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Developer Tea. Thank you again to Trevor for for joining me uh, for this episode and for the next episode, which if you don't want to miss out on that, I encourage you to subscribe in whatever podcasting app you are using right now. Thank you again to DigitalOcean for sponsoring today's episode. Remember, $100 worth of credit. Uh, That's not a trick. That is just $100 worth of credit on DigitalOcean services. Head over to do.co slash tea. That's D-O dot C-O slash T-E-A. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, enjoy your tea.